looting, riots, public demonstrations, and space exploration. This is a good week for Ten Commandments on the news. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Are the comments on the news or in the news? Both. A radio show that confesses Christ. Without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously. Without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to... Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, he, he, wait a minute, you're he mistaken. Said to me, he said, <laughs> you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, you guys put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song. That would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre, mediocre and hilarious. Keeping bad days in perspective. This is Table Talk Radio. Are you having a, are you having a good day over there? I'm all gloomy. Uh, well, don't worry. When you listen to Table Talk Radio, you realize it's not that bad. It could always be worse. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> at least I haven't been. At least I haven't been listening to Table Talk Radio. At least I'm not a co-host to the show Table Talk Radio. Oh wait a minute! <laughs> it could always be. Oh dang! Uh, so we, you, we had a week off. You uh, went to Colorado. That's uh, Glad to have you back and and Thanks. ready to go back going. Um, so we're going to do some Ten Commandments in the news. There's a lot in the news. There's a lot going on. Of course, we're still kind of dealing with the coronavirus right. as we record now. Um, I I heard Al Mohler talking this morning. I just listened for a few minutes, and he, he was talking about uh, how the coronavirus is like a stress test. And I thought that. Now, that's an interesting thing because it kind of puts everything in the pressure cooker. And now we're starting to see what's going to break. Yeah. So a bunch of things have snapped. I mean, there's... I forget the numbers. It's like 37 million people who lost their jobs during coronavirus. And then the question is going to be how many jobs are going to be waiting for them when this is all over. I mean, mm-hmm. are, are some people just going to lose their jobs altogether because their businesses don't exist anymore? And I think that's probably going to be the case. So, yeah, this, this is we're in for uh, potentially uh, some tough times economically. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that's that uh, from a theological perspective. Um, you know, one, I mean, so economies go up and down. I mean, this is just something that happens, you know, um, and people go through job loss and it's always uh, difficult times and, 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 and hard on people. Uh, but it's, it's oftentimes in those difficult times that we start to actually consider things differently theologically that we didn't, when things were going well, we maybe think, oh, uh, maybe I should recognize that, that the, the food I have on the table or the, the money that's in my banking account is not just a work of my effort, but it's also something that comes by the, the hand of God. Uh, and so we, we'd say that, that praying the daily, uh, give us this day our daily bread. We recognize that all things come from him. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and so, we, you know, we never know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, that's this is the thing. I mean, this is always the case. We don't know, but there's, we, we always think that there's going to be I mean, we just say, well, tomorrow's probably going to be a lot like today. You know, we just kind of operate with that mm-hmm. assumption. But 
But it's, I mean, one of the blessings of coronavirus, I suppose, is that it reminds us, hey, no, that's not the case. You know, tomorrow can be something wildly different. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's a, probably a good week for some Ten Commandments in the news. Yes, yeah. So we, we have uh, space flight going on. Yeah. And we got the the protests going on, uh the uh, protests from um uh, Flynn, what's his first name? Uh, George Floyd. Yeah, George the, Flynn. The death of George Floyd last or week. Floyd. By, uh, okay, yeah. A police officer had, had kneeled on his and he and he died and and then that's just that was a spark. Yeah. A ten, and then and apparently there's, you know, the tender boxes. It's this you know, it's kind of, in some ways it's here we go again. But um this feels different for some reason. Hmm. You know, like we were talking about just before we came on, it's like it, it this happened in Ferguson but a couple of years back, but this does I, I don't know if that's the same for you, but this one and maybe it's because I was so I was driving from from St. Paul yesterday to Jesus Death. So we have two afternoon communion services at St. Paul and then and then we go have a little communion service at Jesus Death, and so I was, and to get from one to the other, you go from the north side of downtown Austin to the south side of downtown Austin. I got on jumping on the interstate, and it was blocked by the police because there's protesters blocking the interstate. So then I'm spun off into downtown, and I'm right in the middle of it. Apparently, they just sprayed pe pepper spray, so all the crowds were kind of coming across. So I was sort of weaving through these crowds of people dispersing, and hmm. and um, and looking at the at the people and their signs and and their faces and. You know, and processing it all, it's uh, so maybe it feels different because I was right in the middle of it yesterday. Sure, but yeah, that, you know, that does make a big difference. I mean, my exposure to it has both mostly been you know watching clips on the internet. It's a little bit different when you're driving through the crowds. <laughs> I'll, right. grant, I'll a, grant you that. <laughs> there's one guy who so it was interesting. They have a bunch of like medical volunteers, like people just are down there and they'll have first water and first aid. So people, are, you know, they know they're going to protest and they know they're going to need water and first aid. So like people are, and I thought, now that's an interesting way of loving your neighbor. It's like you're mm -hmm. going to provide water and first aid to the, to the, to the protesters. It's, mm -hmm. it's just interesting. But there's one person had a big gash in her cheek. Looked like I, I don't know how it happened. Mm. Um, you know, so there's so you get to see blood and and anger and um, and and you have this sense that just at any moment, at any moment, lawlessness could break out. So there was some looting, not as bad as in other places, but a couple of liquor stores got broken into. And so you see, you see, you kind of for three, four things happening all at once. And so try, you know, just trying to process that is a is a difficult thing. But I've been working on it. I mean, try, how do, you know, you got to process this stuff theologically. And so we'll talk about it a little bit. I yep. think that's the plan. Yep, we will. Okay, let's do some buzzwords first. Do you have a buzzword, Pastor? Sure. My buzzword for you is the sword. This, is, this is, has to do with what we're going to talk about. So Paul says in Romans 13, talks about how the government doesn't bear the sword in vain. And so the sword becomes, I mean, we all know what a sword is. It's a piece of metal what that is you a sword? things with. But it's like a <laughs> it's really, like a big really knife. big knife. <laughs> um, you call that a knife? Remember that movie? <laughs> uh, the sword is the authority to punish and... It, the sword, we talk about we just make this distinction. The government has the authority to take life uh, outwardly, war inwardly, justice system, police, and so forth. So that's rightly ordered by God. Now we'll, we'll talk about what that means and how the devil is going to tempt us in a number of different ways. But we should start with that baseline understanding: is that 
the authority to punish, the authority to take, the authority to even take life, is given by God to the governmental authorities. That's the sword. Okay. Uh, you know, you, a few shows ago we had our we had our 500th, and we were talking about some of our favorite moments. One of my favorite moments is when we had uh, Pastor Vanderhoek from Australia on the show. That's, yeah. That's probably where the Australian accent started on this show was when we had him on, because then you started doing that all the time. But that was back when we picked our own bump music. Yeah. And we picked all the best Australian bump music, and then I I grabbed that line. You call that a knife? <laughs> this is a knife. Oh, that was a great moment. Uh, my theological buzzword for you is I forgot about that. vestments. Oh. You like okay. to call this liturgical camouflage. Oh. Uh, but these are, uh, yeah, liturgical garments like robes and whatnot that uh, pastors or maybe acolytes, uh, elders' assistants, things like that, uh, would wear in a uh, divine service or services of the church, um, and the point is, as you say, uh, like camouflage to to hide hide the man, hide the person, um, to hide the pastor. Because what's going on is not that uh, Brian Wolfmuller is up there or Evan Gigline is up there or anyone is up there. The point is, is that we are being served by our God, and uh, God is giving us His gifts in word and sacrament. So the the vestments um, are to remind us that it is Christ who serves us. Now, there's a few particulars to this. There's the stole. That's the garment that goes around the pastor's neck. That's usually a mark of uh, ordained pastor. And uh, it is a yoke of slavery, that the pastor is not uh, given to uh, get on his platitudes and say whatever he wants, but he's there to preach the word of God and is uh, bound by that word and to preach um, to preach the truth from that word of God. So he's as a slave uh, to his master, so is the pastor to uh, the God who calls him. It is a joyful yoke. We shouldn't miss yes. saying that. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's, uh, it's nothing like... it doesn't feel so easy. It's nothing but, like the yoke of doing this podcast. Right. No promise there. Table Talk Radio. The yoke is burdensome. At least it's not as bad as listening to the show. I tell you what, we should probably remember that hosting this show is five times as easy, five times easier than listening to this thing. So, right. Good. All right. So uh, we have about fifty seconds left here. So uh, let's get started. What story do you want to cover first? Well, let's do the protest first. It's on my mind. I can't think about anything else. But the problem is, I was going to pull up an article, but it's just like a photo essay. Um, okay, well, let's let's do this. Uh, we'll do a quick, a quick rundown with a few seconds that we have left, and then that will give you the break to find the story that you want, because we want to give you time to find the very best uh, story to do two minutes in the news. But we are going to be covering um, the uh, the riots then. We're going to be talking about a space flight. Is there a theological angle on sending uh, astronauts into outer space to the International States, uh, Space Station? We'll see what Pastor Wolfner come up with a theological angel angle on that one, uh, and then the third thing we were going to talk about was what was the third thing we were going to talk about? Uh, we got a. Do we have a praise song? I can't remember. I thought there were three stories. Okay, maybe just the two stories, okay. and then uh, yeah, we're uh, well. We were going to do some praise song crunching. I'm sure we can find something. Maybe we'll do a praise song crunch after that. So, uh, if you want to send us an email, you can do so. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can give us a call. With, we could do voicemails, too. we got a bunch of voicemails to work oh, through. Okay. Uh, that phone number is 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. We'll be right back. I don't care. 
your friends probably won't notice. This is Table Talk Radio. So I've kicked up the Wolf Mueller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time, and to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolf Mueller. Wolf Mueller 1 is the channel name. See you there. So, a point of Ten Commandments in the news is to see how the Ten Commandments apply in the world around us. One of the things is we think that the Ten Commandments belong in the Bible and at church, and then I uh, can go out into my life and think about real things. But uh, no, the, 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 the world is ordered around us, out of utter chaos, usually, uh, into an order by the Ten Commandments, by the the word of the lord so we want to understand our our world around us in light of those ten commandments and this game helps us do just that right so do you have a, a story for us to consider Pastor? sure how about this this is just from this morning uh no this is from yesterday morning yesterday afternoon De- texas governor greg abbott on sunday declared a state of disaster for all texas counties amid protests that often turned violent this weekend he deployed thousand more state troopers national guard soldiers to austin and other cities Quote, every Texan and every American has the right to protest, and I encourage all Texans to exercise their First Amendment rights, Abbott said in a statement. However, violence against others and the destruction of property is unacceptable and counterproductive. As protests have turned violent in various areas across the state, it is crucial that we maintain order, uphold public safety, and protect against property damage or loss. By authorizing additional federal agents to serve as Texas peace officers, we will help protect people's safety while ensuring that peaceful protesters can continue to make their voices heard. Yeah. Protests spurned by the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis spawned street violence in Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, and Houston. The Dallas Morning News reported that, uh, that officials there were considering instituting a curfew after a tumultuous night saw 90 arrests. Abbott already act- activated the Texas National Guard deployed 1,500 Department of Public Safety troopers to Texas' largest cities on Saturday. There you go. So there's a story that gives us the gives us the stuff, gives us the outline. Nice. Um, yeah, I think that's that's going to be an important distinction, and um, I I don't think it's a difficult one for people to make. It's it's um, it's obviously a right granted to us by the uh, well. The Constitution would say um, endowed by our Creator, <laughs> but uh, but it's a protected right, um, the uh, free speech to, to, to peaceful protest, and so to um, you know organize such a protest and to have signs and let your your uh, voice be heard that that's something that um, Americans can do and that that not everyone can do in their respective countries so we should we should exercise that right uh, but there is obviously a clear distinction between protesting and then engaging in violence um, you know right right off uh, right out of the gate uh, when I point to the fifth and seventh commandments so where um, people are being injured or hurt or even killed in these protests 
then um, we're dealing with the fifth commandment, that um, your right to speech uh, does not include hurting other people. And so we want to refrain from violence. And then also the destruction of damage here is a uh, matter of the seventh commandment, you shall not steal, because it deals with personal property. Now just imagine, um, let's say... uh, Let's say you're a, uh, I don't know, a barber or something like that, and um, you've been shut down for two months, and finally you get to reopen your store uh, because your particular state has relaxed the restrictions or the uh, all of this with coronavirus. And now uh, your your front store is broken in, and the inside of your store is is looted or whatever, t- took all your chairs. <laughs> I don't know what they loot in a barber shop. But uh, now this person's business, who has nothing to do with the the original um, event of which people are protesting, this person's business and livelihood is uh, affected and, and lost um, for really no good reason at all. So th- this is a matter of stealing. Uh, you've stolen from this business person's income stream and so uh, that's a breaking of the seventh commandment, right? Uh, there's more there, though. The, I mean, obviously, there. the fourth commandment. Let I me mean, jump in any time. I could just keep rolling. No, but... no, no. Keep going. <laughs> there's uh, the fourth commandment. Now, this is going to go to the your buzzword here with the the use of the sword because I like how I, I'm announcing that I'm using your buzzword. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> hey, pay attention again. I'm going to use your buzzword. So... Four points. <laughs> um, so, so that as as you said in the first segment that. Uh, God has given the sword uh, to the government. Now, um, this is a fourth commandment issue. It is a, a matter of authority. And just like we talk with the matter of authority, that it is used in a godly way and an ungodly way. So let's just let's just go back to its basic understanding of the fourth commandment being of the family. And so we would say uh, God has given a child, a father and a mother, um, to... Uh, watch over this child to care for the child. Now, uh, it is uh, possible in this fallen world, and and unfortunately in the world that we live, all too common, that a father, let's say, is a bad father. <laughs> he uses a, he uses his office not to help the child and help the child grow, but uses his office to abuse the child, for example, or neglect the child, things like this, and so. Just because someone's been given the office doesn't give them the free reign to do whatever they want in that office, but they're to use that office in a way that serves the neighbor. So now we could apply this to the situation at hand and say police are granted the authority to physically restrain someone. So the first thing they do is tell you to stop or they turn on their red and blue lights, and that tells you to stop. And if you don't stop, then they uh, are allowed to use force uh, to, to get you to comply. Um, now, I don't know all the details, but there's within that certain rules so that you want to use non-lethal force when there is not a lethal force being a lethal threat being imposed and things like this. So, if someone is in you know police custody, uh, there really isn't a reason that I can think of, unless you can, Pastor Wolf, there. Someone's constrained by police. There isn't a reason that that person should uh, suffer death at the hands of police. Um, unless there is a uh, you know an attempt to assault the police officers, things like this. Right. No, I I think this is a really important distinction that you're making. So, when we say that the government has the right to bear the sword, 
So, the, for example, the government has the right to wage war. That doesn't mean that every time the government wages war, it was right. Mm -hmm. So the right doesn't make right. <laughs> so there's a um, – because the, the parents have the authority to discipline the child, that doesn't mean that whatever the parent does to the child was, was good. Or right that, in other words, just because you have the authority to do something doesn't mean that you can't sin in that office. So that's so that so that distinct. You know, the government has the authority to put somebody to death, capital punishment, but that doesn't mean that there's that everybody who's been put to death was rightly convicted, rightly punished, and so forth. So that there's a there's an authority there. But that authority can be misused. Just because I have the authority to preach doesn't mean that everything that I say in the pulpit is going. It, it must be accepted. It must be right. So, so, so we should have that very clear. And then, the next thing we should have clear about that is that sin in the office is is even more dangerous. So. You know, when if a normal, if it's just a, a lay person goes and 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 kills somebody else, but you know, like say, you just take the the case that happened with George Floyd and the and the kind of t tragic death of the of the man with one with the police officer's knee on his neck, and but if that's not a police officer, if it's just somebody else that's kind of that kills him that way, still it's this the result is the same, the action is the same. The, the but but it's not it's worse because it was done by someone in authority you know if if there's if uh, the the illustration that I use to try to get to this is if if a stranger comes up and punches me in the face or my dad comes up and punches me in the face mm -hmm. it's in, it, they you know they could do the same amount of damage knock out the same number of teeth or whatever but it's worse it's it's times ten. It's times a hundred. It's unimaginably worse when it's done by the person in authority, right? Because um, what that does is is, uh, and you and you've talked about this too, that when we're when we're sinned against, we have the tendency to think that we're entitled to sin. So um, so w that we would have the fourth commandment to uh, honor the go the governing authorities. But when the governing authority has transgressed against me. Now we think that uh, sinning against the governing authority is justified, and that's I think uh, how I how a lot of the violent protesters are justifying their own actions. That this is the this is what we have to do to get people's attention or whatever. Nothing else. Uh, nothing else will work or whatever the reason. But but I mean, normally if it was just a sunny day and no other events going on. Someone was going down the street, breaking out car windows, rolling cars over, throwing firebombs in storefronts. We would say, that guy needs to be arrested right away and charged. Um, but a group of people think that that's, those same actions are justified because um, uh, they, were, they were sinned against from the governing authority. Right. That's right. And that's the second wave of the temptation, and that's where it's really dangerous is that is that you take the sin of the person and you put it on the office, and now, that now the authority of the office has been destroyed, or is hated, or must be overthrown, and that is demonic. Mm. So that, so that now the idea is that you that 
that there should be no authority at all. You know, no the, the police are to be disrespected. And it's it becomes particularly dangerous in the situation that we have because when the when the authority of the enforcers of the law is lost, then you're right on the edge of lawlessness. Yeah. I, I have a few more thoughts on this particular uh, story, and we take more look at the Ten Commandments, and then the next story after that about space flight. Stay tuned to Table Talk Radio. Which came first, the mediocrity or the listener? Hmm. This is Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Okay, we're back. Table Talk Radio, Ten Commandments in the News. Okay, I want to flesh out something you said in the last segment because uh, you talked about the sin of the man, and you're making kind of a distinction there between the sin of the office versus the sin of the man. Now, um, that's going to be a very important distinction in all of this. You know, a lot of the stuff going around right now, a lot of the, the rhetoric is uh, people talking about histemic racism. And, and really, in order for that to be uh, the case, we'd have to be showing how the very institutions, the very offices themselves are set up uh, with a, a racial bias in, in, in this way. Now, it might be true. I, I'm not saying that it is true, but it, it's just something different to say that all of those office holders happen to be racist. That still is not yet systemic racism. Systemic racism would have to be that the institutions themselves have set themselves up against a particular race, right? So there's a difference between those two things. Um, so there's there's a there's a distinction between the sin of the man that a, that a man who is holding an office uh, executed the task of his office, uh, first of all, contrary to morality, but also contrary to what his office is there to do. So right. to take this example, um, you know, we we saw the video of the police officer uh, pushing his knee against the back of the neck. Now I've seen police officers do that before. So somewhere within police training or whatever, uh, that is the thing. Now, how long that should be done, whether that should be done after a person passes out, those are all questions to explore. But let's suppose, just for the sake of the discussion for a second, that the police officer executed the tasks that, according to his training, like according to the policies of the police department or whatever, he did everything he was trained to do then that would be not the, the sin of the man, but the sin of the office, because now he's been doing what the what he was supposed to do according to the office. There we would say that the office itself was set up sinfully against um, an individual. Right. But I think, based upon what we've seen in the video, not knowing you know these police policies and things like that, just as a, a normal human being, knowing that, that, that what we saw is not right, um, that if it is part of police procedure to put your knee in the back of someone's neck, that it should not be done for a prolonged amount of time. Right. That's right. Now, this is, um, the being able to make that distinction is so important because the devil does not want us to make that distinction. He wants to overthrow order. The devil is always attacking the offices. And if you can do that, like it has been successfully done, so I was looking at these pictures of all these, the, the looting that was happening, 
if you can destroy the office, then you can you can destroy order, and everything else starts to be destroyed as well. Hmm. So, this is a, and it's on a personal level and a societal level as well. So, if, for example, the devil can ex- can succeed in destroying the office of father for an individual either that he has no father or that he has an abusive father or an angry father or a distant father or whatever. Now, the devil has basically destroyed the office in that person's mind, and so then now all sorts of things can happen. I mean, he gets he, he has to wrestle with that his whole life, but how is he going to think of God as his heavenly father? Mm-hmm. Or how is he going to be able to conceive of himself as a husband and a dad also, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's what's, huh. I mean, the, the, you know, the statistics for things like, so we, we always, I think we're, and here's a big problem. I think we're in some ways blinded by the question of race because the, hmm, there, because we ought to know that there's no such thing as race. Everybody bears the image of God. Jesus is everybody's brother. Every person is died for by Jesus. Every single human being will be raised on the last day. We're all related to Noah. This is, remember this whole thing? Everywhere you go is a Noah family reunion. Race is not a thing because someone's skin is darker or whatever. I can't, I can't in arguments with my family all the time about this 23 and me nonsense. And, and they'll be like, you got so-and-so so much percentage of Ashkenazi Jew, and then you got so-and-so much percentage of east uh, of of Cro-Magnon man, you know? It's like, well, how come some of that comes from like supposedly tens of thousands of years ago and then others is like from 200 years ago? You've got to like <clears throat> at what point do you move from Germany? Uh, you know, and and uh, you, anyway, the whole thing is a big sham. It's we're all related to Noah. This is the point. We all go back to the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10. This is we, we there's a there's a common humanity. But then, so so the but the race is a distraction because then you start to you start to divide things up by race and you miss the real problem. So you start to look at you start to look at uh, you know the percentage of a certain of a certain ethnicity in in prison, and you see that one, it's there's a disparity. There's more there's more for example black people than white people in prison, or or whatever. But what the the trouble is that we ought to be looking at the right ordering of things, which is the family. You know, what percentage of people in prison had good dads? <laughs> and there's where you start to see the true disparity, the true pr- problem, the true trouble there. But it's all it's, it's all a big smokescreen. All the whole thing is a big smokescreen to the real problem, which is there's just there's not there's not healthy families. There's not healthy, healthy moms and dads, especially dads. It's dads for the boys. That's the thing. And so so anyway, we're. Uh, it's frustrating and sad because if we can't identify the real problem, then we're not going to ever be pressing towards helpful solutions as far as I can tell. Mm. I think that is going to also bring in then the sixth commandment too because, um, you know, one of, one of the things I think – so we were, we were, like you said before the show, contrasting this event to the Ferguson issue, and there's a lot of parallels and a lot of contrast to be made. Um, one, of, one of the things I think – is that this was, I mean, a good portion of the event was recorded on someone's cell phone. I mean, the video is out there to see. Um, that we that we actually, I mean, this is this is kind of a tragic thing to say, but it, we actually you know see a man die on on someone's cell phone, and that that I think enrages people all the more, right? I, I don't think that was true with 
with the with the deal with Ferguson. I, I think I don't know that maybe maybe there was a video around, but I don't think it was as clear as I don't I don't I'm not sure. But um so so the the sixth committee I was gonna deal with uh, how things are reported, um how we speak of these events and um even 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 the way that we um kind of impose um intention when we talk about these events, right? So um we could say we could we could we could say we'll see those those uh, police officers well they're just racist. Well, that could be, but it also could be that they you know, I don't know, had adrenaline rushing and and failed to follow procedure, you know, that um you know th- th- there's more than there's more than just the race explanation. Um and so the 6th amendment deals with um handling these events and the facts of the events um, I mean, we still we still have to uh, protect our neighbor's reputation. We have to uh, we have to assume the best construction on these things. Mm. Are you thinking the, of the Eighth Commandment? What I'm did I say? How, sixth Commandment. Oh yeah, Eighth Commandment. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to over there. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is a weird version of the Sixth Commandment. <laughs> eighth Commandment. Eighth Commandment. Thank you. Uh, so Eighth Commandment. All right. Any uh, other commandment? We didn't really touch one, two, or three. I mean, one is involved in all of them, of course. Right. So that's right. But. Uh, I think I mean we're dealing we're dealing in society we're dealing before man so I th- this is probably going to be four five seven eight are we are we in the last segment we have one more segment we have to one go. more after this okay so I, I I'm going to push it to the first and second third commandment so I got two signs that I saw okay. that are very interesting one of them is Jesus was murdered by police hmm. what do you think about that. Well, um, <laughs> if we can, if we can take police a bit more broadly and just be government, right? I mean, we're not going to make these distinctions between, you know, guards. I don't know. Um, I mean, that, that, interesting, that, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of complicated nuances in that. If you if you really wanted to to say it, it would be true, um, but. But to equate that situation, to equate the the passion of Jesus to this situation is um, probably not a helpful <laughs> uh, parallel. Right. It just adds we want to what we want to do is overthrow the police. So look at how bad they are. They've been murdering. Mm. Yep. Here's another Mur- one. Murdering since 33 AD. <laughs> Here's another one. Um, th- there was a bunch of signs that said, "Say his name." And this was what was being chanted at the riot police as I was driving by. There's people holding up the signs right in the police's face saying, say his name. Now, that's interesting. Isn't it? So uh, this this is something true um, that we sometimes have the tendency to deal with people just as kind of objects and not actual individuals. But then there's... So there's something about having a name to a person that changes that perspective. And so to say his name actually forces us to deal with this as a lost life rather than uh, just a, an object. That's, I think, very biblical. And, and there's some, there is something right about that, how if you can dehumanize someone to take a name away from them, you've done that. But when you are, when you're, when you say someone's name, you're you're 
There, there's a, it's an amazing thing that each person gets a name. You know what I mean? That we have that gift and that you get to do something with it and that the Lord is protecting that in the Eighth Commandment. And there's something in the Ten Commandments, how in the Second Commandment, the Lord really says, my name stands alone. But then the Eighth Commandment, he gives us back the honor of having our own name. Yeah, there's a lot to names in the Bible. So there's the times that the name is changed, like Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, or Jacob is named Israel. Um, So that shows kind of an authority over a person to name them, as we do with our children. Interesting. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio. You're listening to Table Talk, uh, guys. This is really bad. I, I can't do this anymore. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the devotions button. All right, before the break, we were talking about uh, names. Did you have anything more to say about that, Pastor Wolfman? No, just inner. It's just an interesting thing. I remember, I remember one, when uh, we were having, we were pregnant with Isaac, and someone was upset. I can't remember the re- they for, for whatever reason, they thought that was too many kids for. And, and we were wrestling through that. And so I finally said, well, what do you think we should name them if it's a boy? Hmm. What do you think you should name the baby if it's a boy? And, uh, and all of a sudden... Like, oh, ah, you can't be angry about it anymore because yeah. it's a per, you know, it's a person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I also think about, I mean, we talk about this, the kind of namings that go on in the scriptures, and 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 baptism, we're given a new name. I mean, we're given the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we 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 bear the name of our God uh, placed upon us. Um, so there's a lot behind names. So it's I I find it fascinating. That this uh, this sign that you saw said, "Say his name." I do too. I do too. There's something instinctive there, you know. This whole this whole thing is, I mean, the whole protest is very, not the word primal, but it's like, it's there's a rawness there, and so, so you get some stuff, you know. There's a bunch of Black Lives Matters. Signs. That was most of them. Black Lives Matter, and I think that's a, that's interesting because I think that's a, in some ways a sort of a hijacking mm. of the energy of the protest. Because, but there was other places where you saw the you saw the sort of deep instinctiveness. But but again, it's also kind of swept away with this striking out at the office, and mm. that's that's never going to go well. That's what I remember following um, the Ferguson stuff was the Black Lives matter just as a phrase you know never mind the like group behind it but um so so that here's here's a group of people who who feel as if there is um a particular i guess racism against blacks and so to say that black lives matter is to say that um look we shouldn't be treating black lives as any less than white lives or any other's lives and that's a true thing but but then things started coming, like monikers are coming along, like all lives matter, and 
that's a true thing too, right? But then that doesn't highlight the the issue that the original slogan was trying to get at. You know, so do you remember that? I mean, there was this mm-hmm. whole kind of thing like whether Black Lives Matter should be a thing that we should say or whether it represents a particular, you know, movement uh, versus all lives matter, white lives matter, or whatever, you know. So, uh, you know, th- this is something that uh, Christians, and, and I think you said it well about the Noah family reunion point, that uh, that we, we, we recognize all life to be life. Uh, it doesn't matter race. It doesn't matter their age or their location or their state of mind, but that uh, without exception, life is life and that we should defend all life. Right. Okay. Right. Let's, uh, let's move to another story then. Another recent event is that uh, we launched a, a, a rocket, SpaceX and NASA went to the International Space Station. Here's a quick soundbite about that. Welcome back to Squawk Box this morning. Saturday ushered in a new era of space exploration, and it marked a milestone for Elon Musk. SpaceX successfully launching two astronauts into space, the first launch from American soil in a decade. And on Sunday, the commercial space capsule docked at the International Space Station. So what does this mean for what we're going to now call Elon Inc.? Joining us. Right, so then they talk about the, uh, the the business perspective of it. Okay, so you, you were talking about how this was... Um, this caught a lot of interest. I was amazed by it. I mean, I was I was sending emails to people, talking to people. We were driving back from Colorado, I think, on Saturday was the launch, and everybody was watching the launch. I mean, people like the old retired people from the congregation were all talking about how they're sitting around watching this launch. And why is this so fascinating to people? I I was just like, ah, uh, well, I think, and I was trying to figure that out. I don't know. I've got some guesses. I mean, number one, we're all kind of coroned out at this point so yeah come on something new to think about please so that's helpful and then two, the fact that it's not the government but a but a private industry and a kind of a one-man private industry elon musk who i think in the imagination of people just simply represents innovation and the future mm-hmm. you know so this guy has all these wild ideas and then he's like well let's just go do them and for whatever reason <laughs> he can fund them which is kind of amazing. I mean, I think the government... And deliver. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to fund him. It's another thing to deliver on what he wants to do. Yeah, so he shoots a rocket. And then the and then is this the thing that, like, the boosters come and land on some ship so he can reuse them and stuff like this? <laughs> and it's got, like, the astronauts that are, are operating the thing by touchscreen? Yeah. Like, that's I, In fact, that's that's the screen that's in front of me as I pause that audio. It. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about, like, the movie Apollo 13 where you have, like... A million switches and levers and buttons, and then now we have like three touch screens that they're yeah, flying the right. whole rocket with. That's right. Um, wild. It's wild. I mean, these stuff. guys are taking social distancing seriously. I'll tell that's you. That's right. See you later, guys. We're going to the <laughs> space station. <laughs> it would be really bad if they what, they start coughing on the way up. I know. I was like, <laughs> and all the tested. all the Russian astronauts are like, wait a minute, buddy. We don't have. We, we were social distancing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, uh, is there a theological understanding to this, you think? I, uh, there's a – I mean, this goes back to, the, I suppose, to what our Reformed friends call the dominion mandate, which is that the Lord in the beginning says, hey, uh, you guys are in charge over here. Not in charge. I shouldn't say that. You guys have dominion. Hmm. So the, the earth and the creation is yours. So you treat it well, but know that it serves your life. And so there's this this creative – uh discovering sort of 
thing that runs in our humanity, rightly so. We, Carrie and I were talking about this, like because I think Musk wants to get people on Mars, and I think he talked President Trump into wanting to do that too. And so, so they're like, this is step one because you got to to launch to Mars, you got to have a moon base. So to get to the moon, you got to get to the space station. So, so there, and and we were talking about how many years or weeks or whatever it take to get to Mars, and I don't know what you do when you get there, but. <laughs> But Carrie said, I would never, I could never want to do that. You're going to fly out to this planet and probably die. And, and yet we were talking about how there's millions of people that would love that, that, would, that would, wouldn't even think twice about, hey, you want to risk your life to go to Mars? For, and you say, well, why? And you say, because you can and nobody else has done it. And everyone says, well, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to do something yeah. that I can that no one else has done. So that, that sort of... It's not a pressing yeah, human spirit. It's not about the beaches at Mars, which probably aren't that great. It's, it's about, yeah, that adventure. Although it was a 19-hour flight to the space station. And uh, this this thing was on, on uh, I guess it was on YouTube. And so we thought, oh, it would be kind of fun to see the astronauts come out of the hatch into the space station. It took them like two hours to get the hatch open. You know how it is when you when you land that long flight? And you're waiting for them to open the door to the mm-hmm. jetway, and you're like, "This mm-hmm. is taking forever." But it's like mm-hmm. three minutes. <laughs> that took up forever to get that. I don't think after a 19 hour flight, and that's just to the space station. That's, that's, that's right. you know Mars. I don't know about that. I think I'll just uh, I'll uh, I'll tell you what I'll I'll take up space exploration once I've uh, I've mastered the globe travel. <laughs> I'm still working on that. <laughs> You're driving for about 19 hours on Saturdays. Who knew we were making a parallel trip? But. Yeah, you were. Okay. Well, unless you have any other thoughts on space I, exploration. I don't know. What, what do you think about that, this whole thing? Um, I mean, I don't know that. I mean, it, it is a recognition of God's uh, creation um, that uh, that we, I mean, I guess the point's been made a lot that that we're just little small dots on this in this great creation. I mean, and, and the the ex, the intricacies of God's creation that you have, you know, we've been dealing with this virus, which is a microscopic thing that we can't even see, and then at the same time, we're talking about flying to potentially Mars someday, and that's not even the that's just the next closest planet. It's not even all considering all the other planets. I mean, the the, the amount of creation that god has given us is is uh is pretty spectacular it really is beyond that i don't really have a big remember how i was this idea how much time we got i want to know how far i can develop a minute and a half so when i was looking into the 500th anniversary of the reformation i was looking at the books how we celebrated 400 years ago or on the 400th anniversary and i noticed this difference right now we say what's the reformation and we say martin luther and the printing press 400 years ago, what did they say? It's Martin Luther and the Holy Spirit. And that really was a, a fascinating thing to observe, is that we see history in terms of advancing uh, advancing technology. Hmm. And so that's like our, our singular concern when it comes to, history, to, to, to the future, is the advance of technology. And this flying up to space, capital, you know, uh, private-funded space flight is taps right into that we, we as christians should remember that there's a lot more to history and a lot more to the future than simply sort of the advance of the gadget hmm. 
Yeah, interesting. In fact, more things don't change than change. And we, we've got to, as we're surrounded by this technological advance, we've got to remember that. Family, the, uh, the state, the, the church, the doctrine, the love of God in Christ, more things don't change than change. Yeah, in fact, those things are unfortunately devalued while we're, you know, think we're a great people for flying to the moon. Meanwhile, we can't keep a marriage together or we can't keep a family together. These kinds of things, the basic things. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where, you know, I didn't even write down your buzzword. It's like camouflage. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with a chronic illness, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, uncontrollable urge to fight the cabinets on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.